right, let's get started with the show with some pre-cals. What do we got going on, folks, this this week? We've got a good friend coming in, Gregory Arnaud. Um, if, they, if our folks don't know him, it's probably because most of his work is in the Caribbean. I know we all aspire to make that where we work in life. Gregory yes. has actually accomplished that. So we, we're looking forward to what he has to share about what he's been doing south of the border. Wow. Arnaud, when you said that, I thought it was uh, he would be in France or something like that. It's yeah. got a little bit of a spelling that way. <laughs> uh, <maybe. laughs> sure. What were you going to say, Robert? Way, I, I know Gregory pretty well, and, and we won't talk about it today, but he is a pretty smooth dresser. Uh, like, if you see him out on the street, he's going to be looking pretty fly most days. And, uh, and I think he's a pretty decent basketball player, too, even though he's an old man. Yeah, he wow. asked what to wear, and I said we wear golf shirts. So I, I, I should have said, man, dress, dress up. Got to be great to see him and in, in, in his best like that. Uh, sounds like uh, yeah. sounds like I have competition then. Absolutely. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to what he has to share. Those, uh, I don't think he wears that that hat you got. The fedora. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a I've got a few for each occasion, but uh, nice. Let's uh, let's get ready for the show. Yeah, looking forward to it. Welcome, everyone, once again to another fabulous episode of Sleep Tech Talk, the sleep podcast with your hosts and friends, Robert Miller, Emerson Kerr, and me, Dr. Gerald George Moneycrode. Got another excellent episode for you today. It's a new year, you folks. It's really exciting. And to bring this excitement to you, Emerson, who do we have? Well, we are really lucky today. We've got our good friend, Gregory Arnaud. Uh, a little bit about our good friend that's with us today. Uh, got quite a resume. I'm going to try to to tear through this thing the best I can. But he is a certified respiratory therapist, founder and CEO of ISD Health Solutions. He's a clinical educator, keynote speaker, and facilitator. Also a U.S. Air Force veteran. Thank you for your service. Uh, Mr. Arnaud has 15 years of experience in medical device sales in North America. Uh, working with uh, companies such as Itamar and Watermark, who pioneered bringing home sleep testing to the market. Absolutely true there. His experience includes managing DME companies like Lincare, Walgreens, um, Home Health Services, where he gained years of knowledge to treating patients with COPD and sleep apnea. He's the founder and clinical director of ISD Health Solutions, formerly known as Island Sleep Diagnostics, uh, which began in 2011 to where we are now. Um, he's been instrumental in developing PSG sleep centers and home sleep testing options throughout the Caribbean to include Trinidad and Tobago, Barbados, Guyana, Jamaica, St. Lucius, Cayman Islands, and the Bahamas. That sounds like a song. In addition, Mr. Arnaud has been the Trinidad and Tobago delegate for the World Sleep Society since 2015. Congratulations, helping to bring more awareness to the importance of sleep and sleeping disorders to the Caribbean. ISD Health Solutions, the Caribbean distributor for ResMed and Philips, aims to provide the highest level of diagnostic 
and treatment options for persons suffering with sleep and respiratory conditions. Gregory, what a great resume. We are lucky to have you on the show today. Um, yeah, we've known each other for a few years, met through some, some mutual friends there in South Florida. So the question we love to ask everyone, and I'm, I'm guessing yours isn't that much different from ours, how in the world did you get into sleep medicine? I don't even know some days, I tell you, Emerson. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's by default. It just happened. And I think with sleep, once you get the bug, you can't get away from it. You know, it's something that you just can't go do any other job. Apparently, with you guys being in the space for as long as you have, you know, you know all about what I'm talking about. Um, I, I was working at DME. Uh, I learned about sleep apnea just by setting patients up with CPAPs and didn't really know how they got there. You know, I just saw a script that said, put them at seven centimeters and give them this mass. And I said, okay, and I did it for like three, four, five years, never knowing anything different than how those persons were diagnosed and what were the symptoms related to it. Um, and had a good opportunity to learn a lot about technology at that time, as I saw, you know, different manufacturers growing and changing in the generational cycles of their production. Um, and then, I later left that opportunity and got involved with medical device sales. Um, I met a gentleman by the name of Casey Stevenson, who gave me my opportunity to start um, with, I think the company was called Evo at that time. They were partnering with Itamar to try to help DME companies bring sleep testing to the market, because apparently sleep techs and sleep doctors had no uh, idea they wanted to deal with that at that time because they felt that was a direct threat to the industry, you know? So it was pretty difficult in the initial stages. And then eventually kind of merged into learning so much about diagnostic testing at home and then the treatment option already being something that I did for so many years. I decided to kind of start a business as an entrepreneur in a space where I felt they didn't have the expertise and knowledge. And it was a huge gap in the awareness of the understanding of sleep and kind of just been stuck, well, I wouldn't say stuck, but kind of had a burden on my heart that I can't get away from helping the people in the Caribbean better understand these concerns and providing some solutions for them. That's the short it, version. It's the weather. <laughs> it's the weather. And the and weather, the yes. Yeah. Well, my, well, my parents are from Trinidad and Tobago, so I had to start there. And it was be, as a result of my grandmother who lived with us um, from time to time when she came up from Trinidad, who was my first introduction to snoring. Like I never heard a sound like that before prior to that. And it was very loud. And it was actually kind of funny as a kid, you know, we would be peeking in the room to see how is that sound coming out of there? Like, what is that? Um, later on, as I learned as a respiratory therapist about sleep disorder breathing and some of the symptoms related to this, I realized my grandmother suffered for this for so many years, um, having been in the medical um, system down in Trinidad in the Caribbean a whole life doing medical annual examinations as they have to do that for work. No one ever uncovered that what was happening to her sleep had a lot to do with what was dealing with in her health. Um, so I, I made it kind of my passion to try to help as many families understand this so they don't have to lose their loved ones and friends to a condition that could be so easily treated today just with the proper guidance and once again instruction on how to get there is where I think I've learned so much in the past it gives me an ability to do this in such a great way. So it's interesting you you bring that up Gregory because uh, when I used to work in one of the med schools here in in Houston Texas we actually had a gentleman, an ENT surgeon, that came in and did a short stint with us to learn more about it. And, and he was from the Caribbeans. And he went on and on about how, 
how challenging it was because that sort of sleep medicine basically was so tiny, so unheard of almost you know, over there. And to get people to go and get other physicians on board was a, a, a Herculean process. And I had uh, a Herculean effort. And I had kept in touch with him for several years, and he was telling me it was still taking a while to, uh, to move forward. Would you agree with that? 100%. And today marks 11 years since I started the journey. I just shared that with Emerson the other day. I saw a pic on Facebook and I said, wow, it was 11 years today and we're doing this. What a great time to celebrate with these gentlemen here at the same time. Um, that, which is exactly what you said, Doc. Um, the understanding of sleep and sleep medicine is not something that's taught outside of the UK or uh, the US market where they have governing bodies that really control that. So you're talking about a whole medical fraternity of countries trying to manage chronic illness and don't even understand the relationship between sleep. Big problem. Um, and with a culture and a mindset that they don't believe in sleep. So they say sleep is for the dead, right? They have plenty of time to do that. Um, there's so much entertainment in the life there in the Caribbean. Um, it's the party city, especially around this time of year when carnival comes to that country. People are sleep deprived like you couldn't imagine drinking and enjoying themselves for hours on hours. Um, they really don't understand the importance of sleep. And it's been an uphill battle, I will say, for me, trying to get not only just the public to understand it, but even the medical fraternity to embrace it. But I would say after about 10, 11 years now of hitting this pavement and all the things that have happened in the years past because of COVID, people are realizing that sleep is pretty important because everybody's sleep got affected by just by whether you got COVID or not, your sleep was affected, right? Nobody was sleeping well in the first beginning stages of this. And then also what the relationship to what sleep apnea did in regards to COVID-19 and hospitalization and, and obviously mortality that came as a potential outcome because they already had an underlying sleep disorder that affected their breathing. So this kind of emerged now to being something that more doctors were looking at. And as a result of it, those seeds have been planted. I felt like Noah, you know, just preaching, preaching, preaching about this sleep problem. They're like, get out of here, get out of here. The rain's not coming here. And um, eventually it started affecting people in the medical fraternity. A, do a doctor died and one of the ministers of health recorded that his, as his friend and a colleague that he had untreated sleep apnea. He had a massive heart attack. You know, he already knew he had it. Um, number of people, like I said, in the, in the ministry, um, police force, you know, they're slowly losing their lives. And I think it was due to, you know, other issues that in the work, but it actually because of health conditions. That's how they're dying. They're not even dying because in the line of duty, it's because of health. So, um, you know, this is something that I would continue to say that's going to be a challenge. It's never going to be over. Uh, we're always still trying to educate as best we can wherever we are worldwide. And it's great efforts so like what you guys, Rob and Emerson and yourself are doing is what's going to make the difference. So it's just a ple pleasure to be today on this session with you guys and trying to see if we can make a, a voice to this madness of sleep and the, and the pandemic of sleep disorders altogether. Barry, you know, it's funny you say some of those things because, you know, over the years I got to work with our mutual friend Ivan down in Puerto Rico and you know, I think for some of our listeners, there's this romantic idea of, boy, if I could work in the Caribbean, uh, you know, because there's one thing to visit there on vacation. It's another yes. thing to work there. <laughs> and, <Okay>. you know, there's <laughs> island time, which, you know, of course means, you know, no hands on the clock. And uh, at all. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of hurdles. There's, you know, there's social hurdles, there's economic hurdles, financial, all of that. How do you overcome these? Because I think to to our listeners, there is that romantic ideal of, you know, palm trees and coconuts and CPAPs, you know, it's got to be that easy. 
you know, what have you done to grind that out? Because you and I both know it's a journey, you know, to, to do that re-education, clearly capitalizing on some of the things that you, you know, have happened to, to educate out of those moments or part of it. But what has been some of your ground game to really educate all the Caribbean? Because it's diverse. You've got Spanish speaking to English speaking to French speaking. There's a lot there. How do you how do you do that? How do you educate? What sort of difference do you feel like you've made in, in such a challenging space? I've got to be honest with you. Um, I didn't know what I was doing 11 years ago today. <laughs> you know, I was peddling CPAPs. You know, I was trying to see how I can, you know, make a buck, so to say, at the same time, save some lives. You know, we've all been there. Um, but then as I kind of learned over the time that I was only one voice and I couldn't magnify my voice because I wasn't a doctor. You know, I wasn't some renowned knowledge, you know, someone that knew at me as a keynote speaker or some key opinion leader that I could emerge that market and make a shift. So I used the internet. A friend of mine came to me and said, hey, why don't you get a Facebook page? I was like, okay, what's that? <laughs> you know, next thing you know, I started this Facebook page and started just educating people with all the information that I was finding that I thought that people should know. And before you knew it, we I think we have 47,000 followers on that Facebook page now in the Caribbean. And you now we've been able to penetrate at least being that soundboard to, for people's needs in this area as we're now kind of moving down to the insomnia um, walkway now because we know that most people would identify themselves with insomnia rather than saying they have sleep apnea if they haven't been formally diagnosed. But social media has been the ticket. Um, I use that angle along with, you know, a lot of groundwork, you know, yes, as you said, Emerson, it's like walking in molasses down there because everything is as cool as Irie, man, everything, nobody has a sense of urgency for anything, you know, and um, in that environment and climate, um, it was difficult, but I held a number of events, um, you know, World Sleep Day events there, I brought in Dr. Chandra Matadin Ali, who started this whole process with me 11 years ago to the Hyatt to start our first sleep talk and inviting some physicians out. Uh, we've done a number of outreach product projects and, and programs working with different institutions. Um, I've written articles, I've done radio shows, I've been on the television there. So I kind of did a little bit of everything and kind of you know, felt as if, you know, I hope that this is resonating at some, at some point, you know, I, I hated to feel like I was just spinning like a top in mud and not really making a difference. But I, I could say since COVID, I've seen the term. I'm finally seeing that people are looking to the internet and who would have thought 11 years ago that a virtual sleep care program is the way to go. You know, that I didn't know any way else to do it, <laughs> but that way. Hey, hey, Gregory, by the way, I know your title says clinical director, but you are a marketing you need to change it. It needs to be marketing machine. Uh, you, you absolutely are a, a marketing machine. You do a fantastic, I mean, you're, you, you're, you're an army of one, I think, in, in a lot of the things that you do for marketing your program. And you've even got some really non-traditional um, pathways to be able to get to patients. I, I know you've done some things even with mattress companies. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, as I looked at sleep, nobody really recognizes sleep as a medical condition. You know, you go into your doctor's office, it wasn't as of late, they started asking you, well, how are you sleeping? You know, the whole time they just have you sitting in the waiting room and check your blood pressure and your vitals and give you your medication, you're out the door. But um, I would say that with sleep, you know, it's it's something that's unique. You know, it's, it's something that we all deal with. We don't really have all the answers. We're still learning about it as time goes on. But 
what it told me was that I couldn't go about it the medical side because the medical fraternities weren't there to support it. So I started trying to bring it to the pharmacy groups because I figured most people in the Caribbean go to pharmacies to look for answers for their needs rather than going to doctors because they could easily just get it over the counter where they don't have a lot of the, you know, the strictness accountability of certain drugs at that time. It's getting a little better at this time. But then the other side of this was that if people are spending money on a mattress or on a pillow or something to improve sleep, I would think that that's my candidate. That's the that's my client that wants to improve sleep. And that pillow and mattress is definitely not going to stop sleep apnea and, and all the other issues they're going to have. So I figured, let me tie in with the mattress organization. And we found the largest one in the region that's in 26, 27 countries to be Latam and the Caribbean of English speaking descent. And then we're trying to do a pilot now to try to figure out how many people would really be interested in finding out a little bit about their sleep health, you know, while they're picking up a mattress and getting it as a complimentary service. So I didn't know how to charge for this initially, and I still don't know how to. So I offered a free consultation to anybody who wanted to talk about their sleep problems. So that was kind of like the caveat that springboarded our ability to find clients, find the doctors who are connected to these clients, find the insurance companies that are connected to the clients, and then lobby with them to offer this service and cover it. And we've been successful to have every payer there um, in the region pay us for what we do. So I'm, I'm grateful that we were able to build this foundation that I believe that even if I was to pass away, you know, in the years to come, many, many years to come, that we can still save lives and still make an impact in changing the outcomes of persons suffering from different disease states related to sleep apnea and sleep disorders. Gregory, what's your what's your vision for the future of your of your company? I, I know you you put a, you put your heart and soul into it, and I know you have an even bigger vision than where it is today. So where are you headed? I'm heading into a, an area that I think that could change healthcare in by using remote patient monitoring. I'm seeing that this is the wave in the future that people should have access to their health when they want it, but more importantly not just because Medicare reimburses it that we should have an encouragement now to do this, but, but people need to know their numbers. They need to use the tools that are out there, these watches and all the little Fitbits and the pulse oxes that are being sold every day and get in tune with understanding what those numbers mean, right? And, and try to understand that your sleep is a dark place, not just in sleep, but totally in a dark place because we don't know what's happening to us in our sleep. So we should encourage obviously more observations in this particular area and evaluations on many occasions based on obviously, you know, height and weight and BMI is one way we look at it, but you know, surgery is something that's serious that outcomes that would obviously reflect the negative if they didn't understand that. And, and then the other side of it is that let's tap into what people really want to know about in the retail space. They just want to stop snoring and they want to feel better. That's it. There's, they don't care about blood pressure and hypertension and I mean, diabetes or cardiovascular issues, not until they're dealing with it like every day trying to manage it. But in the initial state, it's the social problem of snoring and then the aggravating feeling of waking up, not feeling rested. Those two together is a perfect combination to try to see if we can just address that first and then obviously deal with the clinical side of it when it gets obviously a little worse along the disease state. Sorry for the awkward pause here. I think yeah. I was about to hit the unmute button and then he got frozen. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's interesting that you you said that, that you looked at the different versions of it and looked at it from a social aspect. How often do you come across patients that are complaining about, you know, specifically the uh, snoring snoring piece? 
I mean, everybody snores. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've all done it at some point at some time. Some do it a little more <laughs> habitually than others. Um, but at the same time, you know, we got to really hone in on the bedside partner. This is not really about the snorer. It's about the partner that's aware of the snoring, that that person needs to take responsibility and letting that person know more so than saying, hey, you're keeping me up all night. Stop it. You know, roll over, go in the next room, but say, you need to check yourself. Like, I've heard about this problem. This actually is taking a lot of people's lives every day, motor vehicle accidents, heart attacks, strokes, and diabetes that's connected to it and, and ending relationships because most people are not even sleeping in the same bedroom anymore with their spouse, you know, and that's the sad thing when you think about it. Um, but it's not just because of, you know, they don't like each other, but they just can't sleep together. <laughs> you know, they can't feel better the next day. So this sense of sleep divorce is becoming very common. But it's a bedtime secret, right? It's in the bedroom. Nobody really tells everybody they're not sleeping with their partner. But overall, I think if we approach this from different aspects, we're going to make a better outcome in getting people to the information. We can't use the traditional methods of what we thought in the past that you get a sleep center, you get a doctor. You get doctors referring to the sleep center. Well, you know, I didn't have that. So 11 years ago, I figured I had to go find the patient. And the only way I was going to find the patient was going to the, uh, the airways, putting it in a newspaper, putting it on social media, let someone read something that can re might resonate with the symptoms they're dealing with and at least try to make the effort to find out more. And from that point, we can move into the next step because unfortunately, guys, sleep doesn't hurt like a toothache. No one's rushing to deal with their sleep problems. <laughs> you know, you get a toothache, you're gonna change up the, obviously the urgency. So it takes a long time before someone actually gets to the point. And sometimes it takes the nudge more than the nudge at night to stop snoring, but the nudge of their partner to get them to say, hey, let's do this and do it together. So when we do our consultations, what I found to be more valuable than anything is having both sides, both sides of the bed in the bed on our call. You know, if I'm talking to you, Emerson, and I don't have your bedside partner, what good is it? Because your bedside partner is going to be the one that's going to tell you, hey, remember, you got to start using your therapy, you know, and at the same that's time, right. I want you to be around. But if they don't That's want right. you to be around, they won't say anything because they're looking for the life insurance policy. That's right. That's She's another got a good story. One too. She's got a good one. Well, man, I love the the quote behind you: "How you sleep is how you live." But I know we're getting to the end of our time. Um, you've got a little special project coming up, and if you can uh, share it with us, because I think it's something uh, pretty special. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm working on a book. I'm going to be an author. <laughs> I can't believe it. I couldn't even believe I was going to be an entrepreneur. But here we are, 11 years later. But at the same time, I felt I had a story that I had to tell. And this was something more than just bringing light to me as a person and what my journey has been in, in the sleep era or this industry, so to say. But um, just how it impacted my family, but more importantly, what most of the world doesn't know about sleep, <laughs> like how it affects the way you look. It doesn't affect the way you live, but it affects the way you look, how you feel, how, you know, if you're able to have a good sex life, how you love, you know, all of these things are affected by sleep. And then more importantly, how we keep functioning as organizations and businesses, because if our employees are not getting rest, we're doomed. <laughs> it's just coming. One day it's going to happen. Someone's going to doze off at the wrong time or make an error someplace because of lack of judgment. But I know that we have to end this show and probably pick up at another time, but it was, you know, something I wanted to at least share with the, with the world and share why sleep is important and hopefully, you know, get some interest from people who have, may have seen or heard some of the things I've done in the past and kind of want to dive in to find out how I almost killed my dad, you know, like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> 
I want to have, it's in the book. I almost died because we ran off the road with my father at, you know, at a young age and he had sleep deprivation, you know? So there's so much that is real to me in this area of sleep. So it's more than just, you know, writing a book, but it is sharing my life and the journey I've had, but more importantly, leaving something with people to know how to manage insomnia, how to recognize issues in sleep and do something about it. Gregory, that was uh, fantastic. I can't wait to get my hands on the book and out and being able to read it. Sounds like it's going to be packed full of stories. And most of us sleep techs, we have lots of stories like that, I'm sure, in the lab and, and even outside. But we are out of time, just as you alluded to, and we thank you so much. If people want to get more information about you and your program, where could they go? Um, ISB Health Solutions um, is the name of my organization. Um, more or less on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, my contact information is Gregory at ISDHealthSolutions.com. And we just want to enjoy the time we shared together today. And more importantly, let people know that we care about sleep. You know, all of us are here today talking about sleep and we all need some. So <laughs> let's have a good night, gentlemen. And Amen, brother. <laughs> thank you, oh, thank you so right, much. Great. And I want to thank everybody out there, all our all our listeners, our viewers, we can't thank you enough. Do not forget to hit the like button. Do not hit the uh, hit the subscribe button. Most importantly, don't forget to share this with your friends. We're so many sleep techs out there. The listeners are growing. The viewers are growing. Let's keep it going. Let's keep that momentum going for sleep technology, sleep health all over the world. And we will see you in the next episode. Up until next time, we say lights on. Okay, post-cows, what'd you guys think? You know, uh, Gregory delivered. What a great story. Um, recognizing a need in his world and, and bringing it to it. I mean, it's it's like we talked about on there. You know, everyone has a fantasy of what working the islands could be like. And working there is difficult. It, you know, the culture is difficult. Uh, it's, just, it's just a different world. And for him to have the success he's had under those circumstances is absolutely extraordinary. You alluded to island time and uh, the clocks have no hands on them. Yeah. And when he said, yeah, 10, 11 years to get to, <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's some island time right there, man. Woo! Oh, yeah. I had a, a meeting once down there and everyone showed up two hours later for lunch. And everybody's oh. like, man, it's okay. They'll get here when they can. And you're just like, man, that's not how we do things in America. But that's, yeah. it's a different world. Well, you should have known that there you you weren't in Kansas anymore, so yeah, or Alabama. <laughs> you know, uh, the thing that was pretty, I think he underplayed his his marketing capabilities. I mean, that that Joker is, I'm telling you, he is incredible when it comes to to content. And I mean, to we know how hard it is to build a an audience and and connections, and to have forty seven thousand followers on Facebook that yeah. that's pretty substantial. Um, I mean, is that everybody in the Caribbean? <laughs> <laughs> Probably everybody in Trinidad and Tobago, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that, that is amazing. Yeah, he's a machine. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked how, for me, what I really found interesting was how he nuanced each piece uh, or each symptom as a different opportunity to market. Um, snoring, one. Or mattresses. These customers are looking for new mattresses and new pillows because they can't sleep well or they can't sleep at night, insomnia. So he found different avenues to capture these, these uh, patients and help them better understand what's wrong, 
and then ultimately treat them. I, I thought that was really brilliant. And to your point, Robert, I mean, he 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 kind of glossed over that, but it, that's that's marketing brilliance right there. No, I totally agree with that. It, it's it's so challenging when we talk about sleep. How do you find that right niche? You know, to to really tap into what's going to make someone you know embrace the change they want. And sometimes you have to use that that under entry point to connect with and make life relevant because to his point, sleep is just something you do when you're dead in, in, right. in, in a society like that. So you have to make it relevant. And it sounds like he's, he's really found an interesting mousetrap to do that. Agreed. All right. Um, so we were talking about the elbows in the side. You want to see my, my Muay Thai elbow that I got going on over here. That's fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought so. I was going to pull out one of my hats, but I figured the elbow would be more interesting. So. I thought maybe that was like a dance move or something. I wasn't sure what you were doing there. I, I thought it was an illness. I thought it was a what? An illness. Well, illness. You know, yeah, it's like uh, that same Viter's dance. Is that what you were talking about? I, I, I've got that too, too. But do don't forget, I've got the Bollywood moves going on. True moves like Jagger. Yeah, that's right. magical. <laughs> By the way, if, if anybody wants to see those moves, they need to register for the Philadelphia Sleep Conference if they're if they're not registered. That's right. That's you, right. You can see all three of us. You, you get all three of us in the same day. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if you can handle all three of us on the same day, but uh, you get the opportunity to do so. Magical. Magical. It is. <laughs> and, and, and Emerson, Emerson's so good. He got he's on the agenda twice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, appreciate you guys. And uh, it definitely was a great uh, audience. And for the folks out there who are listening, thank you so much once again. Until next time. Cheers.